Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast, making our return here on WBSM. Tim Weisberg with you alongside science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal. And in particular tonight, we are here with a very special episode, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. But first, just a, a programming note, because I know a lot of the people that listen to Spooky South Coast want to watch it as well. We're not trying the video anymore. So every time we come in, there's an issue, there's a problem. Uh, so the video is done. No more live streams on YouTube. I'm not wasting the time. I'm not wasting the energy. And I'm not wasting my patience getting angry with it before the program starts. Spooky South Coast is a radio show. You can listen to us on the radio. You can listen to us on the WBSM app. You can listen to us on WBSM.com. The Spooky South Coast website also has the WBSM.com audio feed, so you can listen to it there as well. Plenty of ways to enjoy the program. You don't need to see the two guys that have no business being in front of a camera <laughs> who are here tonight. So, for everybody that's going to keep saying throughout the course of the week, gee, I really hope you can bring the video back. I'm not spending the time anymore. It's become a problem, and I don't want to deal with the problem anymore. Translation, the other engineer that's supposed to deal with the, the computer. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not even that. It's just that what we're trying to do is not a we're, – we don't have the manpower to do it, and it's just it's not worth it anymore. So – yeah, I agree. The equipment, I, the I, time to set it up for what's there. Not, not I, I'm not taking the focus away from the radio show itself to waste time with something that doesn't work. So we will come up with another way that if everybody wants to gather and chat, they can do that. Uh, of course, you can use Twitter, hashtag SpookySC, yeah, or Spooky Live works too. Yeah, there's plenty of other apps you know, out Yeah, there. We'll, we'll definitely come up with some something different where you can do that, but... You know, we can start a Discord channel, all of that stuff, but it's it's not going to be on YouTube because if it's just going to keep being a problem, I'm I'm not going to deal with it. If if the well, if the station finally sprang for some other, it's, you know, it's not even that. It's not even that. It's that we're trying to do too much with what we have available to us, so yeah. we don't have the manpower to come in here and, and do it. So. It was a different story when we started it years ago and we had a genius producer in here. He's not with us anymore. So, you know, well, he's still with yeah. us, but he's not he's not with the program anymore. Uh, so, you know, it's let's just say the power of Matt Costa is uh, completely uh, revealed. <laughs> you see exactly how much uh, he had to do with a lot of that because yeah, we're, he we're was fumbling silent, around in the but dark. He was uh, very effective. Yeah, don't think just because you didn't hear him that he wasn't doing everything to keep this show up and running. Uh, so the the program tonight is going to be a very special one. Uh, for those of you who are wondering where this program has been, first of all, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a, a breakdown. That being uh, why, you know, on, on why we haven't been here, that being the fact that I was working in the newsroom for the past few months when we were waiting to bring on a new news person. And so with all of that extra work, I needed the weekends off and I'm not trying to sound, you know, like I'm, you know, a lazy, uh, <laughs> no, you're human, but I tried doing it at the beginning of the stretch. You know, we were still doing some Saturday night shows and I just felt like I wasn't up to snuff for those shows. I felt like I didn't have the energy to get through the program. I felt first, I couldn't shake the cough that I had. 
Um, I never tested positive for COVID, so I don't think it was that. I think it was just overuse of my voice all week long and then trying to come in and yeah. do two hours. Um, so it, it it was just to the point where it wasn't like I was staying up all night on Saturday nights either. Like I would think that I was going to, and I'd just zonk out yep. on the couch. And so that was, you know, kind of my recharge time because I was getting up at 4 a.m. I was doing the news in the morning. Then I was doing my regular job in the afternoon. That would carry me through to like six or seven at night, sometimes even later. I would try and grab an hour's nap. And then I would get up and I would do the Midnight Society show. And then that would keep me up. We cut that back an hour just so I could get to bed at 1 a.m. instead of at 2 a.m. Because I had to get up at up 4 more. and start yeah. all over again. So we got through that. And, uh, you know, we are going to be back on a regular basis here on Spooky South Coast. And uh, you know, maybe maybe the engineer heard my diatribe at the beginning and he might come up with some sort of plan. But um, But we'll be back at least on the radio every week. So... Download the WBSM app if you haven't already, and that is your best and easiest way to hear the show, and it will come across in beautiful FM quality sound for you in whatever device you want to, you know, open that up on. Uh, and I recommend that anyway. Like, even if you are, you know, looking to listen to something beyond Spooky South Coast, you can hear all the great WBSM programming through that app. So well worth it. Um, but... Over the course of the last few weeks, there have been a lot of things that have been going on that we really, you know, it's probably better that we weren't live on the air to address all these things as they were going because there was a lot of information that was changing over time. A lot of things that we were hearing that we couldn't quite share with everybody yet. So I think it was kind of worthwhile to hold off. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the program... You are familiar with the name Leanne Wilbur. She was the longtime manager and part owner, former part owner of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. A great, great friend of this program, a great friend of all of the, the paranormal pursuits that we are involved in, and of course, a very close personal friend. Yes. And we have known her since 2006. We, yeah. we literally just passed the 15th anniversary of her first appearance on the program. Uh, it was, I believe, June 10th, 2006. I remember it very clearly. You know, I had met her the night before, very briefly, <laughs> on a tour of the Lizzie Borden house. And she came in with her friend, Andrea, you know, yep. her lifelong friend. Yep. They parked in the parking lot. Uh, I believe she called me because I wasn't a texter back then and said, how long do we have until the show starts? And I said, well, we don't start until 10 o'clock. And she's like, okay, so I have some time. And they went over to the 99, they had a few drinks because <laughs> they were super nervous about coming on the radio. Yep. <laughs> and so they kind of, uh, they got a little liquid courage in them and came over and, and did the show. And she was great. She had no reason to worry. Uh, and of course, it's now, you know, one of the most classic episodes that we've ever done. So it's still available as a podcast, but we're going to put that out as a special podcast uh, at some point coming up but also so let me kind of just and we have a, a special guest that's going to join us in a moment on the line just hang on one moment uh because of our late start i want to set the table a little bit here so leanne was synonymous with the lizzie borden bed and breakfast anybody that went there they knew her they certainly remember her she was very memorable in the way that she would greet people and how she would answer the phone and just everything um and and she was 
the embodiment of everything that they were doing there. She's the one that led the the um, redecoration to make it look like it did in 1892. A lot of the pieces that were in the house were her personal pieces. Her family's pieces, yeah. And, you know, she would also go out and look for stuff that would match, and she was, some of the stuff she would spend her own money on. Correct. Because she would always say, like, if something ever happens, that's coming with me. Uh, so it was very much, you know, a labor of love for her. A lot of people don't know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that had been going on since, you know, when the pandemic started. They had to lay off a lot of the employees. Yeah. Or, you know, because they couldn't do tours. They couldn't have people staying overnight. But somebody had to stay and maintain the property and keep an eye on it because that's the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. People are going to try and break in and things like that. So... She had been living over the barn uh, because in Massachusetts you have to be you have to have somebody on the on property yes. for for a bed and breakfast. So she would stay, even though she had her own house to worry about. She would stay there, and at, during the pandemic, she was the only person that was there a lot of the time. And because of the financial situation, she wasn't even getting a salary for it. So. She literally probably gave the last year or so to that place with, you know, with nothing but her heart. Yep. And we heard about it going up for sale. Um, I can't remember exactly when. It was the early part of this year. And I remember when she called me, I was... Late December, early January. And and there there was some rumors about what was going on. But I remember her when when she first told me she thought, you know, it was going to be a process that would take a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I remember coming back in January from filming Hotel Paranormal season two. Um, and I was dropping off the rental car in Plymouth and she called me and was telling me like, there's this guy and we think that, you know, he might be the one that wants to buy it. And I'm not going to get into, you know, the conversations that we had about it, but that's when it started to really become real back in January. And as we all know, that sale has gone through. It actually just closed a few weeks ago. And Lance Zoll of U.S. Ghost Adventures is the new owner. So let me just give you kind of a timeline of what happened. A couple of weeks ago, it was on a Wednesday that they closed the sale officially. Yeah. And Leanne had already stepped back and, and, you know, Lance was kind of running things. She had already retired, as she said. And so that was on a Wednesday. On a Thursday morning... She was found unconscious in her home. And I'm, I'm only going to be talking about the details of this because Faye Musselman, you know, a great friend of the program, has already posted all the details online, as have some other Lizzie Borden blogs. So she had had a, a medical condition, and she was found unresponsive, taken to the hospital, put on life support, and then... On Tuesday, June 1st, which was the anniversary of Lizzie Borden's death, they decided to turn off the life support. She held on for a few days, and then she passed away last Saturday night, 50 years old. Um, There was a lot of stuff that came up when this happened. Because the word came out on Tuesday the 1st that she had passed when she actually held on until Saturday. And some people want to debate, you know, what 
death is. Yeah. Um, for me, I was fine with saying goodbye on the first. Also, there was a lot of, you know, we knew some stuff behind the scenes yeah. that we couldn't talk about. So we had kind of made peace with it at that point. But, you know, for legal and medical reasons, yeah. she passed away last Saturday. And we were planning on doing this tribute show last Saturday. And we decided to postpone it because we didn't want to do a tribute show when she was actually still technically with us. So we had decided to hold off. And, and of course, you know, we get the word. It would have been shortly before we would have gone on the air anyway, about yeah. 930. And um, so, yes, she passed away last Saturday. And so tonight we're going to remember her. And we're going to have some of our longtime friends and people who have known Leanne call in. We're also going to have open phone lines, 508-996-0500. And we are going to share these memories of Leanne throughout the course of the show. Because, you know, nobody, nobody really could have been a better friend to this program. To the paranormal in general. And to us as people uh, than Leanne. And we'll get into a lot of that with you coming up in just a few moments. But first, we have a very special guest on the line. We have joining us uh, from Kindred Spirits, somebody who got to really know Leanne over the years. Amy Bruni is with us. Hello, Amy. How are you? Hey, good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing very well, considering. Uh, thank you for holding there while I kind of set things up a little bit. We, we got no, a bit of a late start. You so. got me all choked up. <laughs> well, I, I know that over the years, you know, you got the chance to know Leanne beyond just her role as, you know, the manager of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, and you got to know her as a person. And I I remember, you know, talking with you, you were just as stunned as everybody when we heard about this. Just, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, like, it was just kind of one of those, I think sometimes you take for granted, like, friendships and certain people. I mean, obviously, we could never have seen that coming, but... You know, she was just kind of this constant in my life. Like, I, I would get the occasional, like, very late night call from Leanne asking for advice or just to chat. And so it was just really weird to suddenly hear this rumor that she was, like, I didn't even get, the, the, like, the, you know, she's not doing well. It was, like, Leanne is on life support, so be ready. And I was, like, what is happening? Like, it just came out of left field. And it was, you know, it <sighs> I don't want to sound morose and I don't want to sound, you know, um, flippant in any way here. But when we all heard about the sale happening, we were worried about Leanne. We were worried about well, what she would do with her life, not having that house to take care of every day. She called me a number of times asking for advice on how to keep the house. And because I just knew that even though like whenever we were at the house or even at Maplecroft, like Leanne was never someone who tried to be like front and center and, and want the attention, but she just really cared about the content and how it was represented. And she was like ever present and it, it was just her life. And she was just so much a part of both of those locations. And so when, you know, when when the sale when when the house went up for sale she called me a number of times asking for advice on like what to do and i was coaching her on the idea of maybe starting a kickstarter or and i know she was talking to you at the same time because she really wanted to keep it because it had just been you know it was just something that was super important to her and w when we talked about it she was very and, and just so the people understand this too she was very much uh of the mindset of i understand that people would say why should I help Leanne buy the Lizzie Borden house? But she was adamant about 
wanting it to stay a place where people could conduct research and and have investigations, but also experience the history of it and to keep doing everything right. And in a way, I think she was kind of giving us a little bit of a coded message about what she expected from the new ownership, which, you know, that's a, a story for another time. But yeah. she she really seemed like, you know, she wanted to, she, she didn't want people to think she was putting her hand out, that there was going to be something in return for this. And I tried to tell her, all we have to do is tell the story, Leanne, of what you did for all of us over the years. And that's exactly it. Like, and I try to stress to people, like, whenever we filmed at the Lizzie Borden house, Leanne was not the person that was like, I need to be the one that represents it. I need to be the interviewer. Like, she always put up, like, the guide. She always put, like, the face of the house up. Like, she never wanted to be involved in, like, the camera part of it. She just wanted to make sure it was done well because she cared so much about the house. And, and that, I think, was I, – I don't think that I really grasped how evident that was until – she was kind of losing the house like she really i i, I mean i i hate the like it just it was just so bizarre because like i said she just called me a number of times and i i just i wish i could have helped her in some way but like at that price point and everything i didn't know what to do yeah and it, the good thing is that so many people had a chance to get to, to, to meet her, even if for a few moments. Uh, but you're right. She didn't really want the spotlight. When, when productions would come, uh, especially, you know, in the early days, she would, she would go on camera and tell the story or she would dress mm -hmm. up as Lizzie Borden for them if they wanted. But as time went on, you know, she just wanted to let the, the house tell its own story more and more. And so, you know, she might not have been as prominent in some of these later productions that have been through there, but for anybody that went there, when you made the pilgrimage to the Lizzie Boyden house, wherever you came from, part of your experiences, you wanted to meet Leanne and talk to Leanne. Oh, yeah. And, like, every time we ever did investigations there or filmed there, like, we might have gone all night without seeing Leanne, but she would show up at, like, 2 in the morning and be like, so, how did it go? You know, she had her, like... <laughs> You know, she had this, like, really special cadence about her voice. And she, like, always genuinely cared. And we, you know, it was just, it was so fun. And she's actually kind of the person behind, I don't know if you know the story of the ghost spread at Maplecroft. But, like, there was this moment at Maplecroft um, where uh, my daughter, would she would show up at night to come do lunch break with us. And we were filming there. And one night, Charlotte showed up and uh, we were still filming. And so... We, uh, one of our producers handed Charlotte this loaf of bread that was like a prop at Maplecroft. And he was like, hey, Charlotte, this is the ghost bread. If you take this bread upstairs, the ghosts love this. And so Charlotte ran upstairs with this bread and left it. And we heard her upstairs saying like, ghost, I have the ghost bread, you know. And so she left this bread. And then one of our other producers went up the other side and grabbed the bread. So when Charlotte went back up, the bread was gone. And, and it became this ghost bread phenomenon. She was so excited that she had caught a ghost with the bread. And so Leanne, like, gave us all of the bread. Like, they had all this prop bread at Maplecroft. And Leanne was like, take all of this bread. <laughs> and, like, and so she, she actually talked our producer into starting an Instagram called Official Ghost Bread. <laughs> so it was just so fun. Like, she got really into it. And um, I just thought it was so funny because we literally, like, stole every 
crop ghost bread from maple crop and it's still with kindred spirits today like every episode the ghost bread is in an episode (laughs) that's great Uh, i mean that's 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 the thing that i think people might not understand if they didn't get to spend a lot of time with her is that she was she was a character and she loved tweaking people and loved doing little things like that that would you know just kind of leave a little bit of an impact on you you know she wasn't she wasn't somebody that wanted to be the you know the center of attention all the time but also whenever she did anything or said anything you stopped and paid attention because you knew it was going to be good yeah no she has or had the most like dry but like really fun sarcastic sense of humor and adam and i love that like she would show up when we were filming and we just knew that like <laughs> like i said she never showed up like at the beginning of filming like she always showed up at like two in the morning <laughs> and and uh would show us all these funny jokes and things on her phone and um and so yeah she just she was she was a really special person, and it's it's really weird for us. Like our whole crew right now is kind of reeling because you know she was such a part of Kindred uh, because we filmed obviously at the Lizzie Borden House and Maple Cross. Everybody got to know her so well, and you know we've been talking about it daily. And uh, really, I think folks should understand that it goes beyond just the paranormal community that the you know the Borden historical community the Fall River historical community Fall River as a whole I mean she had an impact for all of these different areas and 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 it's going to be like that now where and it would have been like that you know if she hadn't passed and had just retired and gone and gone on to do something else uh, now that the house has been sold you know there was going to be a loss because she was such a synonymous part of everything that went there people were going to miss her it's just now they won't, you know, be able to see her some other time. And uh, but she she's still leaving a, 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 a legacy behind in Fall River that will be talked about for for decades. Well, I just think that she was, like you said, she's synon she was synonymous with the Lizzie Borden house and, and the Lizzie Borden legacy. And like even if you know everything had gone through normally and and she was still with us, like she would have been that talking head that people would have consulted with when it came to all things Lizzie Borden like it was just such a part of her life and um and she knew so much about it and she just took it all so much to heart so yeah I I totally get what you're saying and I'm sure I'm sure that you have the same experiences that we did where you know anytime we got involved with any kind of charitable effort or fundraiser or anything you know she never made a big deal out of it but yeah you know a a, a night stay at the lizzie borden house you know we'll donate that for the raffle or for whatever yeah. like she was even though the house was constantly booked all the time she was always so generous with things like that i have to tell you so for my daughter's school one time i went to leanne and i was like we're doing a like a charity auction and she donated a night at the Lizzie Borden house and it sold for $10,000 and it all went to Charlotte school. And, and it was just the most unassuming thing. And I, I just, I, you know, she didn't even bat an eye at it. And so, yes. And, and then she also, one of the things I remember is there was like a local family in fall river that they had been the victim of a terrible fire. And of course, Leanne instantly set up this charity moment, and she asked Adam and I if we would like show up at the, at Maple Cross for a couple hours and meet people, and we did, of course. 
And she raised a ton of money for this family that had, you know, lost their, not even a family, but it was, I think it was like a, a apartment complex where a number of families had lost their homes and belongings. And she just did that quietly, didn't announce it, wasn't in the paper, didn't expect any credit for it, but just did it. And Adam and I showed up and we helped her and raised a bunch of money. And, you know, that was just the kind of person that she was. She was super community oriented and, and she knew like what she had in Lizzie Bordenhouse and how she could use that to the advantage of the community. And, and, and just kind of my, my final question and then we'll let you go. Cause I know you've had quite, quite a busy week. Um, the, the feeling that I always got was that Leanne was kind of the long lost Borden to some degree. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of similarities between her and Lizzie. You know, minus she didn't kill anybody, but she was very much, you know, that same kind of civically minded person and thinking about the fact that that reputation and that notoriety carried with it some kind of, you know, responsibility. Uh, and, and she was certainly a great steward of of the legend of the story and of the house. But I just... I always kind of think of her that way as being like the third Borden sister. It's not lost on me that she passed in the same week that both Lizzie and Emma passed away. Yeah. And, and I can absolutely see that, you know, because, you know, with all of our work at Maplecroft, like we learned that Lizzie was like this kind of, although, you know, what she did is very, you know, there's a lot of debate around that. And, but no matter what happened after Lizzie or Lisbeth was acquitted of the murders. She went on to live a very like kind of uh, civic duty minded life. She did a lot of charity work. She was very quiet. She's very unassuming. And she just helped a lot of people, but kind of under the table. She never wanted credit for it. And that is very much how Leanne was. Leanne, you know, the first time I talked to Leanne, year, years and years and years, I think it was before I was even on Ghost Hunter, she was very skeptical of me, <laughs> and like, you know, rightly so. And then as she warmed up to me, she just became this completely different person. And and yeah, I can see so many similarities be- between her and, and Lizzie. And um, I think it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of like small, um, I guess, small comforts in all of this. But you know, I I think that Leanne needs to be remembered not just, you know, for her work with the Lizzie Borden house and everything, but just for the person that she was. Like, minus the Lizzie Borden house, Leanne was a, a very cunning, very kind, very sarcastic, really just fun and caring person to be around. And no matter what her line of work would have been, no matter what her legacy has turned out to become, that was just the person that she was. And so I just think that's important to remember. Absolutely. Well, thank you very mm-hmm. much for, for calling in and sharing some memories of Leanne with us, Amy. And I, I know that we'll, we'll have a chance to talk more about her, you know, next time we get together in person and, and we'll raise a glass to her and we'll, we'll celebrate her as she should be celebrated. For sure. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Good night. That is Amy Bruni. You know her from Kindred Spirits, and uh, and we'll we'll definitely be having her come back on soon to talk about the the new season when it comes out because, you know, they're they're working on more, and you'll get the chance to uh, to hear about it here on Spooky South Coast. And she's absolutely right about Leanne about her being a multifaceted person about so much more oh, yeah. than just. I mean, if you look back at her life. Uh, she she packed a lot into those fifty years. <laughs> yeah, she did. So she was she was a truck, truck driver, driver, 
And we're not not like I drive, you know, an Amazon truck around town. She was like a long distance trucker. Yes. Uh, she was a bodybuilder. Yep. And when I say bodybuilder, I mean like body serious builder. champion bodybuilder. Yep. She was, uh, you know, very. We had her here for the live radio drama that we did. She was a very she loved good the actress. Acting. Yep. She and loved theater and stage. Famous for being in the Rocky Horror the Picture, Picture Show. Show. Yep. Um, they say her performance of Frankenfurter was legendary. Um, and she, she was very health conscious. She worked for GNC for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what she was doing before she bought Lizzie's. And she she never really, um, never really gave up a lot of her interests. It's no. just that the Lizzie Borden job took more and more of her time, and understandably so because you know it was a big responsibility. Uh, one of the one of my favorite things about Leanne was. She never got, she she loved having the celebrities visit, and she loved having the opportunity to meet celebrities, but by, you know, the time that these interactions were over, the celebrity was more excited about meeting Leanne sometimes <laughs> than she yeah. was about meeting the celebrity. Uh, I only saw her really geek out one time, and that was over meeting one of the Ramones at uh, at Rhode Island Comic Con or Terracon, whatever yeah. one it was. And I don't remember which Ramon it was. I'm sorry. Um, but she was so excited for that. Like, it was building up for, for weeks and months leading into the event. She's like, I can't believe I'm going to get the chance to meet him. And I remember being there with her and she's like, will you come over with me? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid to go by myself. And I was like, you celebrities come into your house all the time. But she just, you know, she was nervous about that. So I did go over with her. One of her personal icons. Yeah. Of course. So. But, you know, like I, I've talked to some of the celebrities that have dealt with her. And, yeah. you know, and wh- when I bring her up, oh, my God, I love Leah. Like just recently I was talking to Stormy Daniels. Yep. And we were talking about how they had gone and filmed their program, Spooky Babes, yep. at the house. And the conversation immediately turns to just how wonderful Leanne is. And so I think it was that way for a lot of people. You know, you see the photos of all the celebrities that have gone through. I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say, you know, James Woods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, that, that happened. Yeah, uh, it did. So, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't want to get too deep into that. But yeah, there was, uh, but it was just kind they of. knew each other. Yeah, they were friendly. Um but, like, that's the kind of person she was where, you know, she put people at ease when they came through. She didn't, you know, shove a bunch of cameras in their faces and make them sign autographs and sign things in the gift shop she could put up for sale. You know, she treated them just like they were any other visitor, and I think that they appreciated that. Uh, but also, she treated every visitor like they were a celebrity. True. You know, she made sure that True. everybody had the best experience that they could have. And what Amy was saying was right. You know, she would she would get out of the way if you were having some kind of an event. The trust level that she had for people was, it's so rare to see that with people who are in charge of some of these haunted places where they feel comfortable saying, I know you've got this. I'll, I'll be right out there in the barn if you need me, but I also don't need to be here watching your every move. Yeah. You know, even though this house is full of priceless artifacts. Yeah. Lock, lock the doors when you leave, shut the lights off and have a good night. And, you know, at one point before they switched to the new alarm system and all that, we had (laughs) a key. Key and code. And we were allowed to go whenever we wanted. We just had to call and make sure there were no guests staying. And if we were like, eh, it's a Wednesday night, nothing's going on. You want to go over to Lizzie's Lizzie's for a little while? Or if we were in Fall River, 
I mean, <laughs> do you remember the night that we were in? I forget where we were, but there was no. An, we were over at. Um, well, that was on that was on the anniversary of the murders. Yeah, that okay. we went. But I forget. There was one night when we were just. We either went to something else or we were in Fall River and we were just passing through and we were like, let's just stop and say hi. And stopping and saying hi always, always turned, turned into four or five, five hours, hours being there. Um, Food, yep. drinks. Like, hey, let's just Lots go get a pizza. Laughter. You know, um, the but there, there was the night that we were at the uh, the Quickishan Club. That's, that's where I thought you were going. No, but that night was a little insane. <laughs> that was, you know, we were doing another investigation across town. And wound up there. And doing an investigation while we were there. And how many times she would call us because something was going on in the house and she wanted us oh. just to come check it out. I mean, that was a very... I, every two or three months, I would get a call at three o'clock in the morning. Matt, something's happening in the house. I've got a couple of guests that are climbing on the ceiling screaming. I See, I always knew when she was going to ask me to come over and, and investigate because she would always start off the conversation with, ah, Mr. Tim. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, when you're calling me Mr., I know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but it was... It, it, it was it was an honor to be yeah. considered like people that she could call for that. And I don't think it was just because we were local because there's a lot of investigators that are local. I think it was that, that trust level to know a, you can leave us alone in the house. B, if you don't want us to talk about the stuff that happens, we won't. But if it is something worth talking about, we're going to talk about it in the right way. Right. And so it was never a question of, and we always took it seriously and with respect. Yes. I mean, some people you would call, if you called them up and said, well, I think there's something going on if you want to come over and investigate. Oh, sure. Let me grab my cameraman and do a YouTube live, live stream on Facebook right. or any of that. Like, that's what, that's not what it was supposed to be about. Right. No. Uh, you know, she wanted you to get answers. She wanted backup. She yeah, wanted, not, yeah. Not to turn it into a spectacle. Correct. Not that there's anything wrong with people doing that. But it's just there's there's a time and a place, you know, and the time and the place should be when that is what you are either asking her to do or she's saying it's okay to come and do, not when somebody asks you for help. And we both knew, we had, we basically had the same approach that we would talk about every time. Well, if she's asking for help, we have to go. Yes. Because she doesn't ask for help we've, that often. We've never said no to her either. And yeah. the, the, you know, the, the best part about it was even if we went there, and nothing happened, that actually made her feel better yeah. than if we went there and we said, yes, the same thing that happened to you happened to us. Uh, she would actually feel like it was, you know, more of um, more comforting because people think that, and I don't want to, I don't want to step on the, the mythology of Leanne that she was okay with everything that went on in that house because mm -hmm. she really wasn't. No. And as the years progressed, the, the the activity progressed, and she wasn't always comfortable being there alone. Um, and the tour guides could speak to this. I'm sure many of them had to stay the night or hang out with her because, you know, she was a little bit nervous about something that was going on. And it was not, you didn't take that lightly when she said that. Because she started off as someone who would walk around and be like, yeah, you know, if a door slammed in front of her, she'd be like, stop that. And had no problem. But as it kept increasing i think i think maybe her i don't want to say her tolerance for it wore down but i just think it got to the point where 
Are you thinking the house was getting to her? I don't want to say that um, because I think that she was kind of becoming part of the house and the house is becoming part of her. So there was a symbiotic and positive relationship in that regard. Right. I just think that well, she... as you and I both know, that house can have an attitude. Of course. Times. But I, I do think that she felt like it was more of a matter of... Um, if it was something that unnerved her, yeah, it wasn't part of the regular rhythm of the house. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of where, where some of that came from. Uh, she could deal with everything that she was comfortable with and that she had connected with. Right. Sometimes things came into the equation, and it's not surprising considering how many people you've got coming in, bringing in all their own energies and everything else. Sometimes things would get to her and would kind of take her uh, to a place where she wasn't prepared to go. But uh, we are going to wrap up this first hour, and then we will take a break for the news. Uh, we'll run some more commercials, and uh, then that will allow us to go commercial-free for the remainder of the program. I know Andrew Lake is going to be joining us uh, in a little bit, and uh, we'll connect with him. We'll also take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. More Spooky South Coast in a bit. here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. By the way, I should say that Stephanie Burke is off tonight. Um, I can't really give you the details of where we were for the past few days. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's killing me not to be able to. <laughs> but um, we had the opportunity to go film a very cool television project, uh, which will air on the, I guess I can say the, the, the app. I'm sure they won't mind me promoting some downloads. The Tubi uh, streaming service. Uh, a lot of you probably already have it on you know, your Roku device or your uh, um, uh, Chromecast, you know, uh, your Fire Stick, whatever it is that you use to listen, uh, to watch some streaming services, you probably have Tubi already. If you don't, you can download it on a number of different types of devices. Uh, but this is a project that will air in October on Tubi. And it was, it was a dream come true to be able to be part of this. And I really can't give any details. In fact, I was giving out way too many hints before and I got told stop that. Mm -hmm. So I can't even give you the hints that I was before. Um, which is probably for the best on this show anyway because I probably really wouldn't want to say what it's about on this program. Uh, okay, that's, I can't, that's too many hints. I can't say anymore. Um, but it would be a total calamity. Yes, it would be. I think if you, if you have followed this program for all the years that we've been doing it and you've heard us talk about this topic many times over the years, you're going to be just as giddy about it as we were. And it was just, it was amazing. Um, sobering, um, and all kinds of things that I will tell you about later on, but I can't now 
Uh, and that's a shame because I do think, well, well, I, I won't, uh, what I'll say is we're going to keep fighting to be able to talk about it sooner just because I think we can help build up some interest for it when it's going to air. Uh, but it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And I will say this, and I'm not under, my NDA does not extend to talking about the crew that we worked with. So I will freely say that uh, it was absolutely one of the best crews we've ever worked with in any of the stuff we filmed. Uh, Moni is the complete opposite of the Monster Quest people. Oh, God. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of making me sit there and watch them eat lunch, they yeah. actually ordered me lunch and, yeah. and stopped filming so that we could eat. Um, but it was, um, it was one of the best crews I've ever worked with. Uh, definitely, you know, coming in with no agenda, really just wanted to get our thoughts and, and feelings and, and, uh, and, and beliefs and theories. And it was so accommodating. Uh, I had to sit through uh, a, a very long process of about two hours where they were trying to set up the shot with the people back in L.A. over like Zoom on somebody's phone. And it was very tedious and, you know, it took a long time to get exactly right. And they were so like apologetic for it and everything. And I was like, listen, it's fine. I totally understand. I, as long as you can make me look the best way that I can. And then finally I was like, all right, out of, you know, you got to like Photoshop, uh, you know, use some of your post editing effects to take off some of this extra weight though. Like that's the, the trade for making me sit there. So, but it was, it was, uh, it was such a great crew and, uh, and I wish them all the luck in the rest of filming for this and for the rest of what this project is going to be. I think that they're creating some great stuff there and hopefully we can have some of them come on and, and tell us about it when the time comes. All right. Well, we are paying tribute tonight to our friend Andrew, Le um, to our friend Andrew, like paying tribute to our friend Leanne Wilbur, who passed away last week, last Saturday at the age of 50. And now joining us on the line. We have, let me push them through the right way here. We have Andrew Lake joining us. Hello, Andy, are you there? Hey, Tim, how you doing? Uh, doing okay, considering. Thank you for waiting while we had to run all those commercials and everything. I, I didn't realize no, no, I had no, so many. No, no, no problem at all. So, you know, as, as long as we have known you, uh, you have been going to the Lizzie Borden house, uh, both with us and not without us. Uh, no, not with us. And, uh, and you've had a long... Uh, career of investigating that particular location and as part of that getting to know leanne as a person and as a friend yeah i um yeah it was because of um you guys you know at spooky south coast that um you know i got i got to uh go to the lizzie board house and and, and meet leanne it was uh, matt uh, i believe it took me you know uh, my first trip there and um yeah it was yeah i mean all these all these years have gone by now and it, it when when uh you know, Matt got in touch with me with the bad news. It 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 um, it, it really it really uh, threw me for a loop. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I actually had to go out in the backyard and take my phone out, and I started calling some people I hadn't talked to in a while uh, to touch base with them. It, it bugged me that much, and uh, yeah, um, it, 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 I joked with people. People would be like, "Oh, I'd always like to go to the Lizzie Borden house. I'd love to investigate that or walk around it." And I'd look at him and go, yeah, I've been there before. And they'd be like, oh, my God, you've been to the Lizzie Borden house. And, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've been there so many times that I, I, I almost don't want to become, like, jaded and be like, oh, yeah, I, I get to the Lizzie Borden house all the time. And it's because of you guys and, and Leanne. I considered myself very, very lucky to um, have had that opportunity to uh, go there as often as I did and just hang like I was, you know, like I was one of the furniture, you know. And and that that's what's so great about her is that she was so accommodating to everyone. See, uh, you know, a lot of people 
that own haunted locations and and have like TV shows come in and film. It's no secret they get a paycheck for doing that. They yeah. they get a check for using the location for filming. And I'm sure that when a number of productions came in and filmed at the Lizzie Borden house, they paid a location fee to the house for being able to use it. But I also know some of them didn't, and that's because you know Leanne would say. If, if they didn't have it in the budget and they still wanted to get it, she would do it. But certainly anything we ever wanted to do, anything we ever wanted to film, you know, it was an open door policy for us to be able to go in there and utilize it. And I think she knew that that was, you know, helping our careers and helping us to spread our message out. And she didn't have to do that. I mean, she could have said, no. you know, it's it's X amount of money to rent the house out for the night. And even though it's you guys, you know, I got to be fair and charge the same as everybody else. But she wasn't like that. She was always willing to let people come in and, and, and work on different things if she believed in the person or believed in what it was that they were doing. Yeah. No, no. She, uh, I can remember um, uh, uh, your co-host, uh, uh, Stephanie there, um, was saying, you know, I'd like to be able to do a walkthrough of that place sometime when it's like really quiet and and all that. And I said, well, you know, I could give her a call and find out. I mean, I, I don't want to like try and like, you know, freeload on her and stuff. She's running a business and I don't want to get in someone's way. But no, she was like so accommodating. She's like, I don't really, you know, believe in psychics. But yeah, Andy, if you want to come by and bring a couple of psychics through the house, go ahead, you know, knock yourself out. You know, there was no, there was no like, oh, gee, well, you know, and you no, know, it was like, yeah, sure. What, what, what day do you want to come by? And we did. We Walked through the house one afternoon, and it was a very strange afternoon. Walking through the house with two, two psychics who kept looking at each other, going, "You're getting that right? Yeah, I am." And they're not sharing it with me. <laughs> it got kind of spooky. I mean, you're walking through a notorious, you know, haunted house, and uh, two psychics, and they're not sharing with you what they're getting. And then they had to leave. And then I'm standing there <laughs> in the parking lot, and Leanne comes out. She's like, "Well, what do they say?" And I'm like. They wouldn't tell me. I gotta find out later, I guess. But I remember Leanne just shrugging her shoulders and looking at me. Probably one of the kind of the oddest and kind of funniest moments I had there. I, I also think that one of the one of the underappreciated parts of her personality and, and, and of her, you know, stewardship and, and, and management of that location is that she really did have a strong interest in what it was that we got. And, and the way that we got it and the way that we did it, you know, it wasn't just collecting another ghost story for somebody to tell on a tour or, yeah. you know, for her to put up on the website or anything like that. She generally had an interest in how those investigations went and what people came away with. She had a general interest in all things Lizzie, period. And uh, I, I find it sad that she's now parted this world with a wealth of information that we'll never know. Mm -hmm. How many of the things did she learn and that she coilated that is now lost to us? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, the, th the kind of things that I think you're talking about, Matt, is the kind of stuff that it would have taken maybe a few years of reflection after stepping away from the place that maybe, you know, she could, you know, uh, could have then later shared her, her take on it. But it's just... Um, like you said, Matt, there's things that may have been going through her mind, things she witnessed and wondered about, and, and she was going to wait till she shared it, until she had pondered it, and like you said, it's gone now. It is. It's a shame. Uh, Andy, More than a shame. Andy and I were approached by Leanne to basically document her experiences. I feel we can talk about that now. But, yeah, she wanted to actually put this down for people. We, it's unfortunate well, she just didn't get the chance. Because she would talk about some of it, 
in terms of like it was always whenever somebody else would bring something up. Right. You know, she as we were saying before with, with Amy Bernie, she never wanted to be the center of attention. And she kind of was the center of attention of that house though. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. She she was a focal point for all things Lizzie per se in in our modern time. And she was looking at this now point of in our life where she would have time to sit down and actually do this not have to make sure that you know the beds are made and the food right she had a great crew working for pre-pandemic yeah right yeah so but now you know she was looking at it as okay uh, this is going to be a next chapter let me put all of this down let me you know speak in front of the camera why don't we document all of this and then do what we whatever she wanted to do with it after that and we were planning on putting that together and then you sent me that email and text and it was like oh wow. and i'm sorry to have to do it by text it's a terrible way to tell somebody bad news but yeah well it's the 21st century yeah i just you know, and the thing and i was telling matt the thing that really bugged me is you know uh, uh, as you guys know i lost my mom in october yeah and I'm kind of, you know, kicking around a big empty house here, and I'm, I'm tripping over a lot of stuff that not only belonged to my, my parents, because my father passed away in 2009, and uh, my, my own stuff. And I, and I found some stuff, and I'm like, geez, I, I, I don't need this anymore, but I don't want to throw it out. And I, and I thought of Leanne, because she and I shared a lot of pop culture uh, things. She and I liked the same kind of rock and roll, and, and uh, you know, we were both into the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, and and uh, she was also a big fan of classic Doctor Who. And I have all these old Doctor Who episodes on VHS, and I've just I've seen them a million times. And I'm thinking, no, I can't throw them out. I know. I'll, I'll get in touch with Leanne and just see if she wants them. I'll just give them to her, you know. And I, for the last two months, I kept going, yeah, call her and see if she wants those, you know, or either that or, you know. And um, then I got, you know, found out she had passed, and I was like, damn, why didn't I call her and say, hey, you want some tapes? And... You know, I could have at least swung by and seen her one more time, whether it was, you know, at her house in Warwick or whatever. I just, I really am kicking myself for not doing that. You know, and, and I think we all have a little bit of some of that guilt, too. I mean, I was telling Moniz before we came on the air, and, and I haven't really talked about this uh, yet publicly, but, you know, she called me a couple of times the week before, and I couldn't answer the phone because she was calling me while I was in the middle of my Midnight Society program. Um, you know, I don't think that she ever even realized that I was doing that show. So she would just call me the time she would have normally called me before I was doing that program. And I couldn't answer the phone. And then I just got so wrapped up in my busy schedule that was going on at the time that I, I didn't call her back. And so I'm, I'm forever going to regret, you know, not having the opportunity to, to have those few final conversations. But then, you know, at the same time, I look back to the conversations that we would have and... I don't end a lot of phone calls with people by saying I love you, but I would say that when I hung up with her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like that is just, you know, I'm just going to think about that. And those were the last words that we would have had with each other. So I, I can comfortably say we all felt as she was part of our family, literal mm-hmm. family. Yeah. No, hey, how, about, how about the time we thought uh, we jumped to a bunch of conclusions. We all had a good laugh later. But we were worried that something was going on at the house and Leanne was being held against her will. And we <laughs> ran into some people we didn't know at the house and they were acting kind of odd. And it turned out she was taking a nap because she was coming down with a bad cold. But we were wondering if we were going to have to call the police because we thought some like some people had like kind of muscled their way into the office and were <laughs> keeping her from us. That was, 
I mean, I remember her having a laugh going, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to scare you guys. I forgot you were coming over, but I, <laughs> I wasn't feeling well and laid down. And here we are thinking, is there something going on? And we were outside the house thinking we should call the cops. And, you know, thank God it turned out we would jump to the conclusions. But that's how much we cared. You know, it was like oh. we just going to work to walk away because she, you know, wasn't available. It just didn't ring right. We wanted to make sure before we left she yeah. was okay. Well, she she might have said sorry, but you know, deep down inside, Potter also enjoyed the fact that she <laughs> she caused a little mayhem there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's what I will always remember is you know I I was talking before about her her slyness and her like her devilish grin. Uh, she loved to tweak people. And you know if she could do that a little a little bit for that's kind if of if she knew you had a button to push she would be pushing it. I, I don't like to when someone just passes. I don't like to like work the paranormal side into things. I feel like that's you know a very trite thing to do a lot of the times. But I will say this: I am a little bit upset about the situation that's going on with the house now because I don't think we're going to get the chance to go back there anymore. Um, yeah. But I could only imagine if we did. And, you know, the right amount of time has passed. I can only imagine the kind of, you know, tricks that would get played on us oh, from yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, my And God. she probably still will anyway. And but I don't... She, knowing her, she would delight in every minute. Absolutely. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Andy, for joining us. And uh, and, and certainly, uh, you know, you know you're welcome in here anytime. The, the, the Spooky Crew door is always open to you. You are OG Spooky Crew from the beginning. Okay, great. Uh, it was good talking to you guys, and I hope to talk to you about something, you know, a little more upbeat and uh, a little more positive. But you guys have a, a great night, and, and, and to your audience, have, have a good weekend. Sure. Take care. Catch you later, Andy. Talk soon. Bye-bye. That is Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of stuff that we need to catch up with Andy on uh, from all the things that we've had uh, going on, you know, we haven't had the chance to investigate that much with the pandemic and everything. Uh, there's a. I've been hanging out with them. Do him and I've been doing a lot of stuff. But we we haven't done nothing like the, as the a big, big the yeah. big things yeah. and all that. Um, but I, you know, I just let's just go tavern on the main and have some dinner. You know, and like that's one thing that I've learned. The food there is good too. Never mind doing any paranormal. Stuff. One, th yeah, that's what I mean. Oh. Yeah, let's just have dinner. Freaky thing about fun, funny you mentioned tavern on main friend of mine that I worked with for in my previous job for five years, I got him now working with me at my current place. And he knew I did, you know, the spooky South Coast and this kind of paranormal thing. But he was like, I started talking about all of the various places that in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. It's like, oh, yeah, I worked in this place in Rhode Island. I was a cook at uh, the stagecoach in Chapachet, And I was there when this TV and he's talking about it. It's like, Tavern on Main? Yeah, I was a prep cook there. I was like, you son of a... <laughs> I've known you this long, and you never told me that? I just went there a few weeks ago. A friend of mine who is a, a paranormal researcher and, and, a, and a TV news producer and everything, uh, you've, uh, you've met her before. Uh, she was down to um, take part in an investigation of The Conjuring House. Okay. And so while... She was going to be down there. I was like, well, you know, we should meet up. And so we decided to go there and meet up for dinner. And I felt so bad because I had been hyping the popovers oh. for like weeks before we were going to meet up. And then, of course, when we got there, all that stuff was not available because of COVID restrictions. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're not making the popovers. Can't you just make them in the kitchen and bring them out to the table? Like, so uh, hopefully, you know, now that the restrictions are lifted, if we get to go back there, they'll have the popovers again. But oh, man. Great place. Uh, 
Well, let's take this Welcome other. Welcome to Spooky Snackos. <laughs> Speaking of which, I meant to say something ah, earlier yeah. in the program. I want to say thank you to Alana, who sent a, a package to us in the mail. I walked into my office to get my headphones before After we came on the air. a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And, and, no, a I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been back in. I've just been out for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, but I walked in, and I see this big box. I was like, well, what's that box all about? And I open it up, and it, it is snacks sent to us by Alana. So thank you, Alana. We will, thank you, Alana. We will save them and open them when Stephanie's here. Yeah, um, kill wait, us otherwise. You said you're not going to be here next week. I don't know if we can wait two weeks to open the snacks. You have my permission. All right. Yeah, I was just <laughs> saying you might need to have some snacks tonight yourself before, before you depart for you know missing next week's show. Dibs on a Swedish fish. Well, there's a lot in there. We're going to share. <laughs> uh, but I think um, I think that you know Alana definitely will keep us fueled as we make our return here each and week each week coming back now because there's looks like there's a lot of snacks in there. Uh, so thank you very much for that. That was so unexpected, but such a such a great surprise. And she's such an awesome person. Um, all of our listeners are incredible, oh, yeah. even if they don't send us snacks. You know, we still love them all. Yeah, we have great listeners. No, seriously, we do have some but, great listeners. But they do bring us snacks a lot, too. Uh, that helps. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess but it's, it's a nice that, niche to have if you're going to have one. Uh, but generally, with all the bands that I've met, they've all been very Great, interesting people. And, you know, we have the opportunity to uh, get out there again and start hanging out with people and doing different things and being out and about. So, you know, we'll we'll be making up for lost time. Don't worry. Uh, people have been saying like, hey, you know, are you guys going to be doing anything? We didn't get to have a 15th anniversary party. Yeah, we because, ripped. Because of the restrictions that were going on and everything. So I've been thinking at some point, maybe later on this year, we're going to celebrate our 15th anniversary just a little bit later than usual. Yeah. But we'll have a, a get together where everybody can kind of get together. And uh, that makes yeah, sense. I, yeah. But we can, you know, everybody can know congregate and, uh, you know, we can have some drinks and a good time. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do things the way that we always say we're going to do them every year. And then we just decide not to have an anniversary party. But I think 15 deserves it. All right. Let's go back to the phone lines. We have a couple calls here coming in. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hello, my friends. This is Keith Johnson. Hello, Keith. First of all, thank you for holding on as we were rambling on. We appreciate it. It was fun listening to Andy there, too. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. Um, You know, I just uh, came back from Gettysburg last week with phenomenology, you know, and uh, Sandra and I both came down with migraines along the way. So that's that's all for the course, you know, and she's got her back aches, too, you know. After her fall down the stairs uh, over a year ago, but um, you know we're 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 doing good. We're doing well. You know, really, really, uh, actually can't complain. And uh, and and you heard the the horrible news about our mutual friend Leanne. Um, yeah. Such a su- such a shock. But you know, you 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 think about somebody being just fifty years old, and you think you have all the time in the world. Yeah. Really. Really. I mean, you know, it really hits you. It's like. Um, yeah, I, m- I met Leanne when she was uh, when she was very young because she, you know, lived here in Warwick. But uh, I actually met her in uh, Providence Theater Group. Uh, I was doing "You Can't Take It With You," and I was Mr. Kirby. If you're familiar with that, of course, I was mm-hmm. Mr. Kirby, and she was Mrs. Kirby. She was uh, Miriam Kirby, and so we were husband and wife. That's uh, 
And many years, you know, for years and years afterwards, I would give her a call and say, well, hello, Mr. Kirby. I said, how are you, Mrs. Kirby? We always called each other Mr. and Mrs. Kirby for years afterwards, you know, because that was our role together when we played husband and wife. So that, that, was a, that was a cherished memory. That's when she was still working as a truck driver, you know. And, and we actually got the chance to, uh, to have you remarry. <laughs> in, yeah. in a in a thespian manner, uh, when you yes, it was a thespian wedding. Yeah. Uh, when you came and took part in our live radio drama, and and you and Leanne played husband and wife again. Yes, yes, right, that's right. So, I guess we were destined to do that. We were <laughs> destined to do that. Yeah, and that's you know a lot of lot of a uh, lot of good memories and everything like that. And you know, it's like um, you know, I really. She was such a connection, always a connection to the boarding house, and it just, um, it sounds like a cliche, but it just doesn't seem the same without her, you know? T to me, she'll always be the mistress of the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. She'll always be the mistress there, and, um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just hard to accept that she's not there anymore and that she's not in our physical lives anymore, you know? It's, uh, but... Uh, I always think of her as Mrs. Kirby and uh, being at the boarding house, and it's just just not the same anymore. You know what I mean? Right, but I, I do think, you know, there'll there'll always be a piece of her there, and and I'm not speaking in a, in a paranormal sense or even a spiritual sense. Yeah. Just you know, in what she did in totally refurbishing the look of that house, I know that Martha McGinn and her partner had started with a lot of that when they owned it, but really Leanne kicked it into high gear, you know, getting the furniture that matched what it looked like in the crime scene and matching the wallpaper. And She finished it. Yeah, she definitely she, finished it and polished it. And she brought so much of the things to that house that will be associated with it forever. The sheet music on the piano of You Can't Chop Your Pop-Up in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. you know, little things like that. People right. wouldn't even know that song if it wasn't for her, you know, bringing it back into the zeitgeist of all things Lizzie Borden. So she, her mark on that house will never go away, no matter who is the current owner of it. Yeah, that is true. You've got a very, very good point there. Uh, her mark is on there, and um, she'll, always, she'll always be a part of it. She really will. And um, so I'm, I'm so glad you... You guys are doing this tribute to her, and uh, it's like I feel I can't thank you enough for doing this tonight. Well, thank you for calling in, and and uh, hopefully we'll get the the chance to hang out in person real soon. I hope we do. I miss you guys, and I I do want to hang out again very soon. Now that things are starting to get back to normal, anyway, you know we've got to have you back on Ghost Our Near and everything. Well, things are never normal for us, but we'll we'll <laughs> yeah. take as close to it as we can get. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. Well, take care and give our love to the family. I will do that. Thank you, guys. Take care now. You as Have well. That is Keith Johnson, and you can check out Ghosts Are Near. Uh, just go to the website, ghostsarenear.com, and you'll find everything there that you need. Uh, also, I think, uh, well, and nearparanormal.com, of course. Uh, why don't you, Moniz, tell us your, how can I put this? Well, first of all, it has to be appropriate for air. <laughs> I was going to say, this This can go bad really quickly. But tell us, if somebody said to you, what was Leanne Wilbur like outside of the Lizzie Borden house, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Oh, the word sarcasm. Mm -hmm. I loved her sarcasm. We both had that same type of, you know, dark humor, dark sarcasm. 
but believe it or not, the word vivacious, because she was very outgoing, very, oh, yeah. you know. Um, the other things that would come come up to her, very, very real and blunt. Oh, there, yeah. was, there was no ambiguity with her. She either liked you or she didn't. She'd be polite to you up up until a point. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I didn't know if she liked me for a long time. Yeah. I wasn't oh, sure. she, you know, she'll... She would peel you out and, and things like that. And it, that's the other thing. It took a lot to gain her trust. But once you had it, you had it. And once you lost it, you lost mm-hmm. it. I mean, I would say that the thing that stands out in my mind the most is, and I've said this a few times, but just her ability to to kind of, you know, pull a zinger on people. Yeah, and, her, her sarcasm, and, her wit. And, and she would she would go to whatever extreme it took to get the result that she wanted. Case in point, when we first heard about, you know, what was going on and when we were putting out tributes to her, I shared the photo of when we were at Rhode Island Comic Con a few years ago. Okay. And we snuck into, well, not snuck into, we had the passes, but we went into the backstage area. Um, for those who have, you know, never been or, or don't know how they do it, it's at the Providence Convention Center and, oh, the Rhode Island Convention Center, and they have this big... You know, um, um, uh, floor. You know, the big area where the the convention hall is what I was looking for, where they have the downstairs section of it, and then in the back, you know, where they have the loading docks and all that stuff. That's like where the celebrities will go out if they're going to go have a cigarette break or whatever. A green room per se. Oh, it wasn't the green room. They have a separate green room, but this is like kind of where you know they bring them to go into the elevator to go upstairs it's 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 oh, yeah, it's yeah. a backstage area that's not really yeah. a backstage area because it's all the functions of the, the logistics area and we went back there because she just wanted to go outside and and we so we went outside and we were sitting on the loading dock and out comes the actor Jason Isaacs Isaacs Isaac Jason Isaac anyway he comes out and, you know, people know him from Harry Potter, I guess. I've never seen Harry Potter movies. And uh, a bunch of other things. He was the guy who killed Mel Gibson's son in The Patriot. You know, like, uh, yeah. so a lot of people yeah. know him for these for these different roles. And so she's like, I have to get a picture with him. And I was like, okay. She's like, I'm going to go ask him. And he had come out to smoke a cigarette. Sorry if you're a fan, you, that hurts you to know that, but he's a smoker. And so he went out to smoke a cigarette and she says, can I take a photo with you and he's like uh, no no not not now and she's like okay you know and so she just starts chatting him up in general and uh and you know next thing you, i know a few moments later there they are like you know arms around each other calling me over to like snap the photo and so i take the photo and she's like all giddy to get this photo and so i put this photo up and i was telling the story about how it is you know typical of her that she would encounter a famous person and, you know, ask for a photo like that and get turned down. But within a few minutes, you know, the the celebrity wants to take a photo with her. And so I shared that story. And then Andrea, who was her best friend for most of her yeah. life, comments underneath the photo and says, no, I was the one that wanted to get the photo. She didn't even know who he was. I had to tell her. So then it kind of all comes together. She wanted the photo to tweak Andrea. Andrea. So I was like, <laughs> and she totally used me yep. <laughs> to help her get it. But it's just very typical of the way that she would be. Another story that will always stand out in my mind, and I know I've told it on this show before, but I'm going to tell it again one more time. And, you know, 
as we said, we were always going over there to do oh, yeah. small investigations. Some, most Large of the time, just you and I. Yeah, sometimes but, not investigations at all. Just go hang out, have pizza, and drink. But there was things. a particular night that we went over there, and the house wasn't responding the way that she, you know, had had it happening to her. Yeah. Things were kind of quiet that night, which was not a rare, no. you know, it was a rare occurrence yeah. for us to have nothing happen. Uh, but it was it was a relatively not quiet night. Not though. Yeah, and. At the end of the night, every time we did anything there, the last thing that you have to do is go through the house and turn off all the lights. Talk, I knew that and, story was going to come up. And I'm always the one that <laughs> has to go up the third floor stairs. Not, and turn not off, the only one. But, you know, but I'm the only one that's scared of the dark and has to do it. Oh. Although I'm not really scared of the dark anymore, but I used to be. Um, actually, ghost hunting is what made me not scared of the dark anymore. Uh, but so... I'm up on the third floor, and I'm turning off all the lights. The last light that's on is the third floor bathroom, and I know that's the last light on because I was using it before I left the floor. Um, You know, we've got to ride home, so I'm like, let me just hit the head before we go, and then I turn that light off. All the lights are down, and you can go down the stairs to the third floor, turn around and look and see that all the lights are off in all the rooms. Right. And then I go down the staircase, and I click off the staircase light, and then I think you had turned off everything on the second floor, floor. at that point. Second we meet floor. down in the kitchen. Yep. And the only place that has lights on at that point anymore it's is the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. And and that's because nobody's in the house staying. We're basically shutting it down for the night. And at the time, because... I had the key. We walked out the door. You you walked out. I locked the door behind us. And, and we walked over to Leanne. And, well, Leanne said, when you're done with what you're doing, drop the, the key, key in the mail slot. Right. And so we said, okay. She was out in the barn. We thought she was asleep at that point. She was an insomniac. We lock the door, and we come out, and she pops her head out the window of the office over the barn, and she says, oh, how'd it go? Anything happen? Oh, a relatively quiet night. Oh, nothing really going on. Oh, okay. And then she looks up, and she goes, oh, you left my light on up on the third floor. So I'm the one that I had the key. Whoa, whoa. I would shut it off. No, no, we we, we yeah. dropped the key through the through the. So I was like, no, no, no. There's, to, there's. There, oh yeah, she was the one with the key. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So I was like, no, no. I turned all those lights off, and she's like, well, I, I don't want to leave the light on all night. I'm gonna go shut it off. So she comes downstairs, opens the door, picks up the key that we dropped, goes up to the third floor, turns off the light, comes back down, locks the door, is standing with us in the parking lot, and then the second, second floor, floor bedroom light, light comes on. on. Yeah, we then, watch it. Come on. Yes. And she's like, she had her back to the house looking at us, but yeah. we're looking at the house and we're like, now the second floor light's on. She's like, awesome. Oh. So she goes and she opens the door. She goes up to the second floor. She turns it off and then comes back out. And then we're talking and talking to her. Third, Third floor, floor light, light goes back on. Same thing. Goes up. Finally. At the, the fourth or fifth time. She's like, if it goes back on again, I'm just going to go to bed. And nothing happens. It's quiet. Yep. We, we're staying there for about 20 minutes. And no lights come back on. So we think we're in good shape. We get in the car. We start driving. And for anybody that knows Fall River and you know the layout of the land, we had left the Lizzie Borden house on Just 2nd Street. Just gotten to 195. We, we were at White's. We were yeah. driving by White's of Westport. And my <laughs> phone's ringing. <laughs> and my phone doesn't usually ring at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever yeah. it was. So I was like, oh. Let me, and I look and it's Leanne calling. And so I pick up the I'm like, maybe we forgot something yeah. or whatever. And so I answer the phone, hello. And all I hear is on the other end, what did you do to my effing house? <laughs> what do you mean? 
I'm sitting here in the window looking at the house, watching as every single light in the house is flashing on and off. off. I was like, do you want us to come back? Is there something that we can do? And she's like, no, at this point, I'm just going to pull down the shade and go to bed and pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> but That was a crazy night. It, yeah, it, it, and it's so funny because it, the way that she handled it was typical of how she was, where this is the most insane paranormal activity that 99% of the world would ever experience. And she was just like, I'm going to just go to bed now. Like, this is how the house is. This is what it does. I accept it. And I guess I'm just going to have to pay the electric bill this time. (laughs) And it's just, that to me is going to be the quintessential, those two stories for sure, the quintessential Leanne stories. Yeah. But if you have any that you would like to share, we have a few moments left. 508-996-0500 if you would like to call in and share. And of course, just because the, you know, the, the program ends tonight, Feel free to share any thoughts or, or tributes or memorials you want to pass on uh, to us about Leanne. You can email us, Spooky Crew at Spooky South, spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can share them on Twitter. Uh, we're at SpookySC. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the documentary that came out while we were off called Fall River. And, you know, kind of in a different version of Fall River. If you haven't seen this docuseries yet, it aired on the Epics channel. Uh, which is a, it's on your cable system if you pay extra for it, but it's also available as a standalone app. And so you can, if you don't have cable or if you don't want to add the network, you can get the the app. I think it's like four or five bucks to get it for a month. Uh, Some places will give you a free trial. If you call your cable company and say, hey, I've heard about this Epix channel. I want to check it out. Do you guys do any kind of free trial? Usually they'll give you a week or a month for free to try it out. So you can do that. You can sign up for a month, watch the docuseries, and cancel. Uh, you know, yeah. it's up to you. Um, there's, you know, movies and other programs on there and everything. But if you just want to watch this four-part docuseries, you know, you can do that. And and I know Amazon was running the – Amazon Prime had the first episode for free to try to entice you into signing up for Epics. So you might be able to catch the first episode that way if you have Prime. But what it is is it's a four-part docuseries produced by Blumhouse – who make all the horror movies that you see today and who uh, partnered up with MGM. So there's serious budget and serious clout behind this. And the filmmaker uh, put together this new look at the Fall River cult murders of 1979 and 1980. So we haven't really talked a lot about those here on the program over the years, and that was for a reason. Mm. When we first started doing this show, uh, there was a, a young man that worked with Matt Costa and I at our day job by the name of Justin. And Justin was obsessed with, you know, dark things yeah. and true crime and things like that. And Justin was in correspondence with Carl Drew, who was the one convicted of being the, the cult crime leader. Uh, and so he was communicating with Carl Drew Carl Drew was apparently a fan of Spooky South Coast and may even be listening tonight. I don't know. But he had a radio in his cell and he would tune in on Saturday nights to listen to Spooky South Coast and wanted us to talk about his case and wanted us to have him on as a guest. And Hmm. we did not want to get involved in all of that, mainly because we were told behind the scenes that this cult was 
that, that Carl Drew was the low level of this cult, that it went high up into southeastern Massachusetts, politically speaking, in a law enforcement sense, uh, just that it was embedded in this area. And that if we started talking about the cult, we would become a focus of the cult and that things could happen. And this was a serious warning that came from serious people, so we took it seriously. Part of the, the problem in those days was that Robin Murphy, who was also convicted of second-degree murder, uh, and we'll get into all the details next week if you're not familiar with it, but Robin Murphy was out of prison at that time. She ended up going back because she violated a parole, but she was out of prison and had a cushy job with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I don't know too many convicted murderers out on parole who get state jobs. I thought you couldn't be a felon and be a state employee. So somebody... Because both my parents were state employees. My father worked for the office of the governor. My mother worked for the court system. So somebody was looking out for this person. And if you get a warning like we got, and you look at that situation, you say, okay, maybe there is some validity to what's going on. So we avoided talking about that case for a long time. And we avoided, you know, we might have danced around it here and there with the subject coming up, but we never did an episode on it. And this documentary, this docuseries presents it in a new light in which I say, okay, I mean, over the years, I've come to think that there probably isn't this high-functioning satanic cult operating on the south coast of Massachusetts. And also, even if there was, like, if they wanted to do anything to us, they would have by now. And they're not going to do anything to us. So I'm fine with talking about it now. Uh, but really, this this docuseries made me come away with thinking, like, there's nothing to that story. Uh, as much as I love Alan Alves, and I know that he talks about how this cult is still out there and still active... I, I mean, hopefully I don't get, you know. Whack. Yeah. And hopefully I don't end up uh, out in the Freetown State Forest after saying this. But I just think that, you know, it's I think it's safe to talk about. So next week. Well, I, I guess it depends upon how much of it and who and what you talk about. Well, we're certainly just going to really kind of focus on what's in the docuseries because you All know, right, that's, that's, that's what we're. Out in public. So yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to kind of focus on. Uh, but we will talk about that next week with Aaron Kaju, uh, who's going to join us. You know, Aaron is not someone who has spent a lot of time and focus on uh, the, these these particular cases. He covered it briefly in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary because it plays into the Freetown State Forest stories. Uh, but, he, you know, he's never really done a deep dive into the research for it, especially now where he's so deep into the highway murders, uh, which will hopefully be completed soon. And we'll get an update from him next week. But he's going to come on. It's become a little bit of, a, of an obsession with him for him since he saw the docuseries. But we're just going to bring him on because he's going to ask the right questions that we will ask too. And have like a good roundtable discussion about the way that it was presented. So that will be next week's program. We'll be back here Saturday night, 10 p.m. Or, you know, once we play all the commercials that we have to play. And uh, we will have that show for you. If you want to reach out to us at any time, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Hit us up on Twitter at SpookySC. Check out all of our previous podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and uh, and also you can go check out those youtube archives
Maybe the video will return. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, minus my tantrum earlier. Uh, we'll find out about that, and we'll let you know. So until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, and for Leanne, we want you all to stay spooktacular.